Welcome to Technology Transfer IP. Technology transfer is the process by which valuable research, skills, knowledge, and technology developed by educational institutions is transferred to industry for development and to products and services that will benefit society. From basic patent licensing to promoting startups, entrepreneurship, and industry collaborations, while also investing in and managing technology developments. We bring you conversations with the leaders in technology transfer who will share their stories, including their successes, challenges, and expectations for the future. Here's your host, Lisa Mueller. Hello and welcome. Today, I have a pleasure speaking with Cameron P. Smith. Cameron is the Commercialization Director of the Office of Research Commercialization, which serves the Texas Tech University system, including Texas Tech University, Angelo State University, Texas Tech University Health Science Centers, and the TTUHSC Paul L. Foster School of Medicine in El Paso. As Director of the Office, Cameron oversees the Intellectual Property Portfolio actively managing the filing and prosecution of patent applications through outside counsel. Cameron also approves and executes new license agreements, as well as manages both the IP and office budgets. Cameron is a licensed patent attorney with experience in intellectual property asset protection and management, and is a certified licensing professional with technology transfer and licensing expertise. Cameron works to guide system inventors to both patentable and marketable aspects of their research in life sciences and engineering. With expertise in private practice as well as in-house, Cameron is a valuable resource for faculty and students with questions about the patenting and commercialization process. The focus of Cameron's work revolves around bridging the gap between industry and academia by first identifying and protecting intellectual assets within the system and then negotiating and executing commercialization agreements to bring the invention to market ultimately generating revenue back to the inventor as well as the institution. Cameron frequently guest lectures to classes across the TTU system. He has also developed and teaches a patent, innovation, and science policy semester-long course within the Texas Tech Honors College, as well as serves in an adjunct role to the Master's in Biotechnology program at the TTU Health Sciences Center, teaching the cohort on patent law and entrepreneurship. And with that very impressive background, welcome to the podcast, Cameron. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. Well, thanks again for taking part in the podcast, Cameron. It's really great to have you here. Uh, Cameron, I generally like to start the podcast off by asking my guests about their journey to tech transfer. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you ended up at Lubbock at Texas Tech? Sure. So I haven't met any elementary school students who said, when I grow up, I want to be a tech transfer professional. So it's uh, kind of a niche market. We recognize that. Um, But yeah, I I had an interesting road, not unlike uh, a lot of tech transfer professionals, but started a biology major in college, math minor, um, and then went to law school knowing I kind of wanted to do the intellectual property route. Um, in law school, I actually became a patent agent, started writing patents for a couple of firms in San Antonio, where I went to school. And then at, fresh out of school, went to work at a, an intellectual property firm where I actually spent a lot of time in the weeds writing patent applications. Oddly enough, uh, a lot of our clients were universities. And so I, I worked with the tech transfer offices, but kind of on the other side of things. And then uh, my wife, who's actually a professor here at Texas Tech, 
um, a position opened up in the tech transfer office um, here in Lubbock, Texas. And um, I made the move and jumped onto the other side working in the tech transfer office. Um, started out as a licensing associate six years ago, and I've been in the director role for a couple of years now. Yeah, that's quite a journey. And so for those of our listeners who are not familiar with the Texas Tech University system, which I think you also refer to as TTUS, can you tell us a little bit more about it? Yes. So Texas Tech University system is its own state system. It's a, a state university. There are four institutions that make up the Texas Tech system. So here in Lubbock, Texas, we have Texas Tech University, which is a Carnegie One research institution. We also have a health sciences center. Um, there's the flagship one of those here in Lubbock as well with schools of pharmacy, medical schools across the, the state as well. Then we have the Paul L. Foster School of Medicine out in El Paso. Um, there's also a dental school that just recently opened out there. And then we are actually have Angelo State as part of the system as well. And recently, uh, Midwestern State University is joining our system too. Um, like I said, there's schools of pharmacy spread out as well as a vet school that just opened this fall in Amarillo as well. So Texas Tech has a pretty big footprint across the state. Yeah, that's a very large footprint. So given that, can you tell us a little bit about the innovation ecosystem at TTUS? Absolutely. So innovation ecosystem, that's the kind of hot word now. Um, it's something that a lot of universities are championing, and we're no different. We've been building this innovation ecosystem for a few years now. And our innovation ecosystem consists of three components. So we have our technology transfer office, um, we have an innovation hub, and we have a small business development center. And we all three provide different um, things for entrepreneurs and for faculty that want to get their technology out there and commercialize it themselves, potentially starting a company, whatever it may be. Um, so just to kind of run through those different components. So our office, the technology transfer office, we we're kind of at the first stage, the invention. So researchers working in their lab, they discover something new. Um, they come disclose it with us and we try to file the, the patent around it, get it protected so that then we can move into the innovation piece. And that's where the innovation hub um, kind of sits. So they have uh, just phenomenal programs that, that help students get involved in it, that help faculty champion their own technologies. And the, they're kind of set up with a, a three-step process. So they have the ideation phase, they have the commercialization phase, and then they actually have an accelerator incubator phase as well. So the ideation provides funding to students that actually uh, students and faculty to actually, you know, come up with ideas. It's really, really neat programs they have there. The commercialization phase, that's the phase where we really help get involved too. They have some prototype funds. They have um, an angel network. We have a Lubbock angel network. Um, we have a new ag tech fund, the Seraph fund with, that we've partnered with um, that should be rolling out soon. So there's a, a lot of funding there to get technologies that kind of next step they need in the commercialization process. The Lubbock Economic Development Alliance provides a lot of funding for that as well um, to, to help champion these technologies. And then finally, the acceleration phase. So we do have a pretty rigorous one-year accelerator program at the Innovation Hub that faculty participate in, students participate in, and even Lubbock community members. So the, the Innovation Hub programs are open to more than just the TTU uh, system. It's the Lubbock uh, ecosystem as well. 
And so that that's kind of where the innovation hub sits and plays. And then that innovation hub is actually the first building of what is going to be Texas Tech Research Park. Um, and so there'll be it'll be a 501c3 nonprofit. They're getting that set up now. Kimberly Graham, she's the heading that up. She's our associate vice president of innovation and entrepreneurship. Um, and so, yeah, that, that research park is is going. It's going to be a really neat thing to offer the, the Texas Tech and West Texas communities. And then finally, the Small Business Development Center, That's uh, they are able to help community members as well as TTU faculty, you know, write your business plan. You're, you're trained as a researcher to write grants and do research, but you're not trained to write a business plan. It's a very different mindset. And so they're able to help there. Um, and once you have that business plan, you're able to go out and get a bank loan, whatever it may be. So those are kind of the three big components that we offer in our innovation ecosystem. We all are very interconnected and we actually just developed a commercialization roadmap. It's a pretty extensive document, but it's got a bunch of yield signs and stop signs. And um, it's a it's a neat process that a, a faculty or uh, a community member may want to use to actually follow and commercialize their own technologies. Um, it's a pretty great roadmap, I think, and, and happy to share that with anyone who's interested, or you can find it on our websites. Now, Cameron, turning back to your office, can you tell us a little bit about how it's structured? Sure. So I like to describe our office as the the innovation cycle. So it starts with the researchers, right? So that, that's why we're here. That's who we're here to serve. Um, researcher gets a grant, they do work, they come up with some new cure for cancer, some new wind turbine blade, whatever it may be. They disclose that with our office. Um, we then assess those technologies. We see what's the IP landscape, what's the market look like, where does this technology kind of fit in all of that. Those assessment reports that we generate, those are tools that the researchers can use going forward. So um, we tell researchers that it's never never too early to come talk to us. We can at least do that assessment report, see where you sit, um, and you can use that as a tool going forward, trying to get grants, um, doing publications, whatever it may be. If the, the technology is ripe and ready for filing, then we move to the intellectual property filing piece of it. We generally contract that out. We have, I think, about five different firms we use and that I manage for filing um, patent applications around those technologies, depending on what the discipline and the status of the, the technology is. Um, once we have it protected, uh, and you know you hear that a lot in tech transfer office, don't publish until we get it protected. That's uh, something we tell our researchers as well. Once it is protected, we then go out and try to market the technology. So we take inventors to conferences with us, um, showcase technologies. We do some passive as well as some other active marketing as well. We have a, a, a team of uh, licensing professionals that, that help us with that marketing. Um, and then, like I said, it, it helps to involve the researcher in that. And ideally, that marketing then results in some sort of partnership. Um, whether it's a license agreement, whether it's sponsored research, we keep both. Uh, we consider both of those a win, certainly. Um, and with the licensing process, we've seen a big shift in that. And, that, and this is across the board with all tech transfer offices. Um, six, seven years ago, most license agreements were being done to outside industry, existing industry. And now we're seeing that shift and more of our license agreements are actually going to startup companies. And that's one reason for championing this innovation ecosystem and building these kind of incubators within the, the campus itself. 
So we do license agreements and some of those go to existing industry. Some of those go to startups. Um, we have some very friendly startup license agreements, which I think is critical for faculty startups in particular to get off the ground and, and uh, use their resources for um, for getting the company started. Um, so we get that license agreement in place. Ideally, then the, the company puts a product in the market, uses their their manufacturing capabilities, their their staff to actually go out and sell a product, um, which then comes back to the university in some some of some sort of royalty rate that um, goes back into the research, and that kind of innovation cycle grows um, and starts over again. And it has been growing quite a bit at Texas Tech. But in a nutshell, that's kind of the operation of our office. Yeah, I'm curious, Cameron, given the pandemic that we've all been living through the last 18 months, um, how did you guys have to pivot your marketing strategy? Because you mentioned taking the inventor with you and obviously couldn't do that the last 18 months or so. So I'm curious how you guys uh, worked around that issue. Yes. So the online conferences, I'm sure we've all done them. Um, they're not as effective <laughs> to say yeah. what it is, especially for marketing. Um, so we have not been able to involve the researcher in kind of in-person marketing efforts nearly as much. However, one thing we have seen is, I mean, the use of Zoom. We've all gotten very good at it. Um, we're starting to get tired of it, sure, but there's a lot of it that will carry on into the future. But it's much easier to involve the researcher using a virtual platform. Um, we don't have to get a meeting together in person. We don't have to travel with the researcher to meet with the, the industry professional. So we are seeing that it's easier to get those conversations started and to involve the, the researcher using a virtual platform. Now, Cameron, given all that you have going on there at TTUS, I'm curious, can you tell us a little bit about how many invention disclosures, patent filings, revenue generating agreements, royalty income, and other metrics that your office has had in the last year? Sure. So the I will say we are seeing a little bit of a dip with COVID. So the we didn't see as much growth, but I will say Texas Tech system is growing in all of those metrics. Um, Ten years ago, 2011, for example, we were seeing about 50 invention disclosures, about 200 million in revenue received, um, and doing about two license agreements a year. Now, 2021, we see uh, over 100 invention disclosures, over 20 license agreements, and we. Actually, last year went over a million in revenue received. That will take a dip this year because COVID, all of our licensees were affected in different ways. But um, I certainly think that will be back next year. So, yeah, we've seen significant increase in the tech transfer metrics um, across the university system over the past uh, decade or so. Yeah, that's impressive. You are really growing, and especially with that vet school that you mentioned and um, all the medical schools and the dental school, I'm, I'm sure you're going to see a lot more as well. So I'm curious, Cameron, given all that, what would you say is unique about your office compared to typical tech transfer offices? So what makes Texas Tech system a little bit different is that um, we are a service to the faculty. We see ourselves as a, a service, absolutely. Um, not all tech transfer offices are that way. I mean, the bottom line revenue number is critical to a lot of offices. We're fortunate enough that we can be a service. If you have Texas Tech DNA, if you're a student, you're a faculty, researcher, whatever it may be, we're happy to work with you, um, especially working with the Innovation Hub and all those startup companies coming through there. There's a lot of questions about intellectual property, and we really see ourselves as kind of a, a service to the Texas Tech community. 
So Cameron, I'm curious to know, what do you think is most important in managing innovations to give them the greatest opportunity for success? Communication, communication, communication. Absolutely. So um, that's something we've gotten a lot better at the past few years, but communicating with your faculty, communicating with the stakeholders across the system, the different chief research officers, the CFOs across the system saying, what are these budgets for and things like that. So communicating is absolutely critical. Um, it is the the hardest part of tech transfer, but it, the better you communicate, the, the better you're going to be able to actually do the process. I mean, the researchers, they're the ones that are integrated sometimes in the industry, and they're the ones that have those industry contacts. And communicating with them about the best commercialization path for their technology is critical. Communicating on the intellectual property process. I mean, the, the, there's a lot of legalese. There's a lot of random documents that come when you're filing a patent application and communicating what those are and kind of what the expectations should be and managing those um, throughout the intellectual property process, I think is, is critical. Cameron, I wanted to ask you about corporate partners and the role they've played in tech transfer at TTUS. Can you give us some examples of some relationships with some corporate partners there? Sure. So the biggest one we probably have is with BASF. Uh, originally, it was Bayer Crop Science. So 10 years ago, that started as a conversation. And now they have three buildings on campus. They fund a proof of concept fund for ag-related technologies. And so corporate partnerships, I think, are absolutely critical for um, commercialization um, because you, you literally have a commercial partner already there and integrated within TTU. So I do think that is critical. So do you think having a corporate partner like BASF, do you think it's led to more deals or perhaps maybe differently structured deals? Yes. And historically, Texas Tech, we don't have as many corporate partnerships as a lot of universities, but that's something we're trying to grow. And we're doing them a little bit differently, and it's working well. For example, um, Premier Oilfield Group, uh, an international company based in Houston, we did a, a corporate partnership with them a couple of months ago. Um, just a little bit of background on the deal. We had a warehouse in Midland, Texas, with about 300,000 uh, drilling core samples. Uh, our researchers could use them, but, you know, it wasn't being utilized that much. But Premier Oilfield Group approached us about a partnership. And now that building is co-branded TTU, Premier Oilfield Group. Um, they're, they're the ones out there integrating it into their system, selling it. And uh, we receive royalties off of that. But more importantly, there's a huge philanthropic piece to it as well. So they're helping us manage the building. They're donating equipment. They're donating time. Some of their, their staff are actually adjunct faculty now. And they're there as a resource for our students, for our faculty in the, the geology and petroleum engineering fields for the, that core sampling. And they're, they're a big company, very integrated in the whole industry. And now they're, they are a corporate partner with Texas Tech. And it did kind of start with that commercial mindset of we have this core sample library and we want to get it to market, but it grew into so much more than that. And we're exploring more of those options now with companies and, and think uh, we'll hopefully do a lot more of those in the near future. And you actually touched on my next question, which was going to be about philanthropic organizations. Do you work with any other ones um, or have any experience with any other philanthropic organizations like the Gates Foundation or any other ones? 
We do have some Gates Foundation funding um, for some vaccine work out of our Health Sciences Center, but we don't have a ton of other foundation funding. So switching gears a little bit, Cameron, I wanted to ask you if you could reflect on some past licensing transactions or partnerships that you worked on. And knowing what you know now, what might you have done differently if you knew then what you know now? So I can't reiterate it enough. Better communication. (laughs) It is always the case, isn't it? Yeah. And and like I touched on, the reality is a lot of our deals are, are being done with faculty startups now. And there's some conflict issues to manage there, which we're getting very good at. Um, But I mean, our faculty members are who we're here to serve. If they want to start a a company and go off and commercialize that, um, it's kind of our philosophy that we want to make that happen. We want to do it in the the best way for all parties involved and communicating um, kind of what our our philosophy is and what we're looking for when we're we're doing a deal. Um, Yeah, the that's where our breakdown has been historically. And if I could go back, I always do better communication. So switching gears again, I wanted to ask, could you describe for us some of your biggest success stories in terms of successful technologies, startups, things like that? Absolutely. I love talking about our success stories and, and Texas Tech is growing. So there we have, yeah, dental school, medical schools, uh, uh, veterinary school now, and our tier one research institution here in Lubbock. So, I mean, there's a lot of really great research that's being done. As a background, um, Texas Tech system does about 250 million in research expenditure each year, um, which is a lot more than it was five or six years ago. So the research is growing, which turns into inventions growing. Um, Some of the kind of hot areas that we're seeing now, animal sciences. So historically, Texas Tech, food, fuel, fiber, animal science is right in that. And we've seen a lot of technologies coming out of that. The one you may have heard of, bovamine, a probiotic that gets added to cattle feed. That's a, a big technology that's generated a lot of revenue for Texas Tech. Some of the newer things we're seeing, um, a boar saliva analog. So pheromones from uh, boar saliva that were uh, isolated and turned into a commercial product. That one's being sold all over the world right now. And um, it, it, COVID took a hit on it. But yeah, it's being sold everywhere. It's the first time I've ever seen a Mongolian patent application, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> but it is, it is really taken off, has a bunch of funding behind it. Um, some that are coming out of our engineering school. Um, we have a peanut allergy treatment. Just started as a, a research project by one of our professors. Um, he's one that we actually took their team to some of these marketing conferences um, that formed a startup around it. And they've received a, almost about $4 million to date um, to actually do the research as well as for the startup as well. Um, a big one that we did during COVID is actually a rapid COVID test. And I know everyone's got the, the different COVID technologies, but we have already gotten an issued patent on it. Um, we did the fast track program at the United States Patent and Trademark Office. I think uh, last figures I checked a couple of weeks ago, there were about 800 entities like us that applied for that program. Um, Only 450 actually have been accepted. And of that, only 100 or so have actually gotten issued patents. And so we're one of those, which is a a pretty neat deal. Um, And it's a a rapid COVID test. Uh, There's a lot of technicalities to it, but in essence, it can give you uh, a a reading in a matter of seconds. It can also analyze the air, which is a really big deal. 
and they've gotten quite a bit of investment. I think they're up to about $5 million and they'll be generating sales within a couple of weeks now. So that's a really neat technology that, that came out of COVID. Um, some others, we have a drag reduction technology that was inspired by gecko feet. <laughs> that's a oh neat my, one. That's <laughs> cool. You can put it on anything. So oh a my. submarine, a wind turbine blade, whatever it may be. That's one we've gotten a lot of interest in. And, and the startup company is actually pursuing that in drone propellers now. Um, batteries are, are kind of capping out at, at the, the output that they can do for the weight. And so you make the, the propeller spin uh, more efficiently and that increases your battery life. So that's a startup that's taking off. Um, out of our health sciences center, we've had some really neat technologies coming out of there recently. Um, one of our fertility doctors over there came up with a diet that she is commercializing through a startup. So women suffering from polycystic ovarian syndrome, um, she came up with it. It's very difficult for them to lose weight post-pregnancy. And she came up with a diet that just works phenomenally well. Um, she's built an app around it and it's, uh, yeah, it's taking off very well. And That's it's great. working for, it, yeah, it's working for women um, who don't have PCOS as well. So just a really good technology. It's doing a lot of public good. Um, another technology out of the Health Sciences Center also related to um, fertility is a semen collection cup. So um, with the fertility treatments and all of that, when we're talking animals and humans, um, transporting semen to be analyzed and all of that uh, is very difficult because it loses integrity very quickly. But with this cup, um, it can actually stay um, well for, uh, I think they're 48 hours now. And, and that technology has a few million in funding around it and they're selling products in the market now. Um, but finally, we always get asked, hey, what's your biggest success, your biggest exit? And uh, believe it or not, it's our parking system. <laughs> so, really? Yes. About six years ago, um, some software engineers in our parking uh, department came up with a system for analyzing license plates and computing that so that the cars can drive around and it's just scanning everyone's license plates. And um, at universities or other large institutions works very well, took off. Everybody wanted it. And yeah, they exited a couple of years ago for $22 million, just wow. a little startup. Yeah, for parking. Um, and then lastly, uh, one I have to mention that we've been working on for the past few years and we're starting to get some issued patents around is beef jerky. I think that's going to be our, our Gatorade at some point. Interesting. Yeah, out of our meat science department. So shelf-stable meat strips using um, emulsifiers and post-pasteurization processes. Uh, it's like eating a sirloin off the shelf, uh, more tender than you could ever cook it. But um, yeah, I think that that may be our, our Gatorade someday, but I hope that kind of gave a good overview. It really did. And we'll have to watch for that beef jerky because, you know, but, uh, University of Florida is still benefiting from Gatorade. So if this is your equivalent to Gatorade, uh, that would be, uh, I think, really good for TTUS. So that was awesome. But Cameron, with great success also comes challenges. So what would you say two of your office's biggest challenges are? So COVID was, I have to mention, a, a terrible time for everyone. We were fortunate enough. Um, most of the work we did was remote anyway. There aren't any patent attorneys in Lubbock, Texas. So all of our counsel is remote to begin with. So um, we were fortunate that it, it, we had much less of a transition than, than a lot of folks. What was really neat to see, though, was 
all the interdisciplinary work that went on. They even formed a coalition between the, the Health Sciences Center and our engineering school um, to combat COVID and come up with technologies. And so we uh, actually picked up and work when COVID first started um, because we were seeing all these really just great technologies coming out of the university system, which was good to see. But COVID certainly was a challenge. Um, I will also say, and I, I think a lot of my tech transfer colleagues will, will echo this, that one of the biggest challenge of tech, tech transfer is championing and communicating that we exist, <laughs> right? Um, we are a resource here for faculty, um, new faculty. I mean, it's, it's publisher parish. They're looking to get papers out. Um, and so saying, hey, wait, let, let's get a patent around this. I mean, if you want this to actually make it to market, you, you have to have that patent. Um, so that I, communicating that, championing that, that's uh, always an issue. But I, I think we're, we're getting much, much better at it. So Cameron, I wanted to switch gears and ask you, does TTUS have any programs to help and assist women and other traditionally underrepresented inventors and entrepreneurs? And if so, could you talk about those in a little bit of detail? Yes. So Texas Tech, as of last year, is a Hispanic-serving institution. So the, there is a big diversity push in, uh, across the Texas Tech system. A lot of our startups are... Uh, run by historically under, underrepresented people. Um, there's, yeah, there, there is a big push. I actually, I don't have any metrics on that, but um, certainly there, there is a push for that. So I also wanted to ask you about the organizations, things like Autumn and LES that you and your team are involved in. Could you tell us uh, what organizations you participate in and the value you think they add? Sure, so Autumn, that's the big one. Uh, the, that adds a lot of value. Uh, one of my colleagues in the office actually is on the planning committee for the central region meeting that they just had. Um, so certainly Autumn provides a lot of resources for a tech transfer office, especially a smaller tech transfer office like ourselves. Um, another one that a lot of tech transfer folks don't participate in, but I get a lot of value out of is the American Intellectual Property Law Association. Um, so that one's more focused on writing patents, but um, that's a pretty critical piece. Texas Tech, we file um, between 100 to 150 patent applications each year. So knowing the ins and outs of that and staying current on trends and, and the laws, because I don't have to tell you patent laws are always changing, right? So staying current on that and being able to recognize that from disclosure going forward um, is a critical piece. So, yeah, I would say those are our two big ones, Autumn and AIPLA. So, Cameron, do you have a view on credentialing things like um, certified licensing professional or registered technology transfer professional? Yes. So I actually did the CLP, what was that, three or four years ago now. Um, and I think it's great. There's no other credentialing service that wraps those things together. Studying for that, I mean, I'm opening up my contract law book from law school, then negotiating concepts along with IP protection and IP strategy and uh, nuances. Uh, yeah, it's just a really neat test. And I actually served on the exam committee um, a couple of years ago as well to develop that exam. And yeah, big proponent of that. I know it's a very niche thing, but um, I think that CLP designation carries carries a lot of weight, in my opinion. So, Cameron, I generally like to close the podcast by asking my guests, if you could have any three wishes granted or a vision realized for your office, what would that be? 
So all of my bosses will say more research funding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet. That will that will uh, trickle down to everything. But another one would be continued championing of the whole commercialization process of the, the innovation ecosystem. Like I said, um, the, getting more researchers involved with that leads to more researchers getting involved. So more of that. And then the big thing is societal impact. So, I mean, that's kind of our overarching thing. We can get lost in the day-to-day of filing patents and whatnot, but at the end of the day, we want to have a societal impact. Patents are a critical part of that. That's a conversation we have to have with inventors as well. If you want your technology to go out and do public good, it's got to have a patent. Um, so having that societal impact, doing good, solving real-world problems, thats that would be um, kind of my biggest theme for our office. Well, Cameron, I can't thank you enough for all your insights and time today. It's been an absolute pleasure. If any of our listeners want to reach out and ask you any questions, where can they reach you? Feel free to email me at any time, cameron.smith at ttu.edu. We've also got some really great resources um, on our website as well, but happy to chat with anyone. Great. Well, thanks so much again, Cameron. It's been really great to have this opportunity to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Technology Transfer IP. Please visit us online for more resources at techtransferipforum.com. New to Tech Transfer or a seasoned pro? Autumn is the global member organization for Tech Transfer and is here to help you get connected, get smart, and get ahead. Whether you work in academia, research, government, business development, corporate engagement, or startups, Autumn is dedicated to supporting you through education, advocacy, networking, and promotion. Join and you'll receive 20 free live webinars, as well as meaningful discounts on meetings and courses, insider access to a vast network of colleagues to help you through challenges, and a line on new technologies and the university decision makers who license them. Membership is open for 2023. Join us.